We're going to look at man hearing again this morning. But instead of reading the parable uh, that the Lord Jesus had spoken, and then the very ending of it, what the meaning of the parable was, we'll just read the parable, then we will dissect as the Lord leads, and we go through this this morning. Mark chapter 4, beginning to read of verse 1. And he began again to teach by the seaside, and there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship. And sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by parables, and said unto them in his doctrine, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground, where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. And when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground, and did yield fruit that sprang up, and increased, and brought forth some thirty, some sixty, and some an hundred. And he saith unto them, He that hath ears to hear. Let him hear. Now, last week when we looked at this, we're not going to do a big recap, but just want to show you where man lost his hearing. Man lost his hearing in the Garden of Eden. That was Adam. Remember last week we took you to Romans 5 and verse 19. For by one man's disobedient, many were made sinners. And we looked at the word disobedient, which is para kill. And as para means alongside of, as in parable. One alongside of. It's a parable. You put it alongside to make it a comparison with something. A heavenly meaning. A scriptural truth. And so you have para alongside of. The Holy Spirit is the paraclete. One called alongside to help. Here the word para means alongside. Akuo means to hear. So the idea is that by one man's disobedience, who was Adam, it means Adam was hearing amiss. He lost his hearing. In the sense that as he was in the garden, God was walking with Adam in the cool of the day. And we know the story that Adam sinned and fell and death came. And because of that, Adam wasn't listening to what God had said. So it means failing to listen when God had spoken. Adam had failed to listen when God had spoken. That's the word disobedience, para akeo. So for by one man, Adam's disobedience... Many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one, many shall be made righteous. The obedience here is hupa, a kill. So it means to hear. Hupo means to come under and to lift up or to keep up. The one who was in obedience was the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Adam's sin, he failed to listen when God was speaking. The idea is that Jesus kept his father's will. He did his father's work. He was his father's word. So he lift up the law. He kept the law we couldn't keep. He kept the father's word. And he did everything that the father told him to do. And so he is lifting it up. Hupo means to lift up, to prop up, to keep up. So he came under subjection to the word, the will, and the work of his father. And so many in Christ, notice it's in Christ. Many in Christ, we're told, shall be called righteous or Justified, not guilty. So that's where man, as it were, lost his hearing. The four 
uh, manners of parcels of ground in our reading is this. Verse 15, by the wayside. Verse 16, on stony ground. Verse 18, seed sown among thorns. And verse 20, on good ground. So notice here in verse 3, the Lord Jesus said, hearken, it's a cool, listen. And it gives the idea of be listening, keep on listening. In other words, what you hear, keep it. Rehearse it. Have it in your heart, have it in your mind, have it in your thoughts. So hear and be hearing. Keep on hearing. It doesn't mean just listen this time and it just stands for now and it's a little story. It means hear it, understand it and keep on listening to it. So in Mark chapter 4, if you let your eye run down to verse 14, the Lord Jesus starts to tell us about this parable. The sower soweth the word. So the seed is the word of God in this parable. And these are they by the wayside, where the word is sown, but when they have heard. Notice they're all hearing. Remember we looked at that last week? Every one of them says, when they heard. When they heard, when they heard, when they heard. So notice, and these are they by the wayside, where the word is sown, but when they have heard. Satan cometh immediately, and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. Wayside heart, wayside person, wayside hearer. The word Satan here is adversary. The adversary comes and takes it away. The adversary. You know, we all have this adversary. Please don't think of Satan as this little red man with pointy horns and a trident and a little pointy tail that we would see in the cartoon way of it. It's not like that. And in fact, in many cases, it can be the very rebellious spirit that's in a person or their heart, their flesh. And notice this, Satan here is their adversary and all of us have an adversary in the flesh. Matthew 13, if you will, please. Matthew chapter 13. So here's another account of the same parable. For example, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are what's known as the synoptic gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the synoptic gospels. The word synoptic means really to see with the same eye or to see the same vision or view. So when Matthew says it here in 13, Mark says it then in Mark 4, and it's in Luke chapter 8 as well. We'll flick back and forward, God willing, to some of these. So to have a synoptic view, let me give you, a, I'll try the best to give you an example. Three people are standing at the side of the road. One says, I saw a car speeding down the road. It almost caused an accident. The second one beside him says, writes, I saw a car speeding down the road. It was red in color. It almost caused an accident. And the third one might say, I saw a car speeding down the road. It was red, had headlights on, and it almost caused an accident. See, it's the same story, but maybe slightly different. So it doesn't mean it contradicts itself. Is that okay? You understand that? That's what these three books do. They do not contradict one another when there's a word here or there that's changed or different in place. So notice this in Matthew chapter 13. Let's just read verse 
18. Hear ye therefore the parable of the, the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom. Now, notice it doesn't say that in Mark's gospel chapter 4. So here's the word of the kingdom. Here's kingdom blessing for you. Here's kingdom understanding for you. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, understandeth it not, then cometh underneath the wicked one. Notice here the word wicked one is where we would say it's the word Satan in Mark 4 and 15. Then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received seed by the wayside. So you can see the little difference there. Now the wicked one is really the evil one it says. And the word evil needs looked at or wicked. The word wicked here or evil is the word poneras. Poneras. And evil has two words. One is poneras, the other one is kakos. Kakos. For example... Turn with me to Mark chapter 7, please. Mark chapter 7. And let your eye run down to verse 21. In fact, verse 20. And Jesus said, That which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within, notice, for from within, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, Thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil lie, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a man. Now, for example, here, the, the word evil, we have in this short reading, we have evil thoughts, evil eye, evil things. Evil thoughts, evil eye, evil things. The word evil here for evil thoughts is the word kakos for evil. This is important because it differs here. Evil thoughts or kakos means it gives the idea of a discussion, a debate with another. To have a discussion or a debate with another that puts suspicion and doubt. In other words, if you're always mouthing off at someone or, or for, at someone or about someone, that's cause. It's out of your own heart. And that is evil, according to the scripture. Evil thoughts. You think it, you speak it. Out of the abundance of the heart, the man, the woman speaks. So you can see a person's lifestyle, a person's heart, by what they say about others. So from within, out of the heart of man proceed evil thoughts. And then if you, if you look then at the evil eye, he says, adulteries, fornications, murders, verse 22, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, and evil eye. No way people say, he's given me the evil eye, she's given me the evil eye. This is where it comes from, an evil eye. But the evil eye here is the word poneros, different word, poneros. An evil eye, and it means a malicious, mischief-working eye. You know, somebody's trying to work mischief, and they're evil at you, thinking the worst of you. Now, I notice this, and then it says, blasphemy, pride, foolishness, all these evil things. Evil, malicious, injurious activity. So now, poneros means for evil things, it makes it that they're actually acting on that which they thought once they looked what they could do, now they have acted upon it. 
And that's all that list that you've seen there comes from within. So you see Kakos and Poneros. In Mark 14 and verse 15, we have the adversary. In Matthew 13 and verse 9, we have the wicked one or the, the Poneros. Let me give you it now in a nutshell. Kakos for evil. Those evil thoughts. Discussion, debate with another, bringing suspicion, doubt. Listen, sowing discord among the brethren, among the sisters. That's evil. Notice, kakos means one who is content to perish in his or her own corruption. You know, people are on a, a, a course of, you know what, I'm going to just sit here and stew. Thoughts of the mangoes. That's kakos. Poneros. Poneros is one who is not content unless he or she pulls everyone else down with him or her into their destruction. Well, I'm, I'm going this way. I'm bringing you with me. I'm bringing you with me. And the idea of this poneros here for evil eye or evil things comes from, first of all, the evil thought. The evil thought. Turn with me to Luke chapter 8, please. Luke chapter 8. This is the other account. And that's where I just run down to verse... 11, please. Just let me get a drink while you're looking that up. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Okay? So there the Lord Jesus gives us that interpretation in Luke's gospel. The idea here for the devil, it's the wicked one in Matthew. It's Satan or the adversary in Mark. Now in Luke, it's the devil. It's the devil. The word devil here is the word diabolos. Diabolos, that means the accuser, one who slanders, one opposing the cause of God. Notice, Diabolos is the accuser, one who slanders, one opposing the cause of God. For example, if you'll turn to John chapter 6 with me. I have a Bible study more this morning. John chapter 6. And let your eye run down to verse 70. John 6 and verse 70, the Lord Jesus is, is speaking. It says, Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? It's the same word, diabolos. One of you is a slanderer. One of you is an accuser. One of you is opposing what God is doing. He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, For he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. So we all know Judas Iscariot went and betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's the accuser. He is the slanderer. And he opposed the cross. 
on what Christ was doing. So you can see these things change. Notice the Pharisees in John, if you're still in John chapter 8, please. Listen to what he said, the Lord Jesus said to the Pharisees. Ye are of your father, the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And what does he say? You're off your father, the devil. He said to them, ye are off your father, Diabolos, the slanderer, the accuser, the one that's opposed to the cause of God. And these were, these were the people who were uh, the, the temple leaders, the sect leaders. The Pharisees, he says, you're opposing the cause of God. Why? Because Christ was the son of God. He was the, the last lamb to be sacrificed. He was the, the redemption. And he says, you're off your father, the devil. And you're opposing the cause of God. And of course, we, did, we know that they did slander him. And we know that they did accuse him. And of course, we know then that he went to the cross. But it was all in God's plan. So whenever... People are slandering or accusing or saying whatever about you or to you. You know what you say? I'll leave it with you, Lord. I'll leave it in the cause of God. Notice here Ephesians chapter 4, please. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27. Simply, Paul puts it, neither give place to the devil. Neither give place to diabolos, is the word there. Don't give him a foothold. Don't let him into your thoughts, your thought pattern. Don't let him into your life. Don't let him into your home. Don't let him into your thinking. Neither give place to the devil. I always had the thought of, you remember those salesmen, some of them come around now selling or changing electricity or whatever it is, and they come to the door and sometimes... Alison's, Alison can say to me, you know, don't sign up for anything else. Anyone comes with a charity, I have them sitting in the living room signing up. And I had a big string of stuff that I had to sign up, I signed up to. But you get somebody like selling electricity or whatever, and all of a sudden they have a wee foothold in the door and you can't get the door closed. And sometimes we allow the devil to do that with a minutest foot, even a toe of something in our lives. Don't give place to the devil because the devil will enter in and he'll leave you with the devastation and the destruction of it. He will leave you destitute. He will leave you damaged. Don't give place to the devil in anything of your life. Neither give place to the devil. Ephesians chapter 6, please. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, Paul says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, the wiles of Diabolos. Notice, brothers and sisters, we have to understand here that the, the wiles, the word wiles, by the way, by the way, is methodia. Methodia. And it's where you get the word method, methodology. And so the methods 
is the wiles of the devil, the wiles of Diabolos, the methods of the slanderer, the methods of the accuser, the method of the one who's now opposing God. The Judas is the same. So whenever we have all of these things, we see them coming into, into outside world now, coming toward the church. We see it in the church. So don't give any of it a place. You know, sometimes you could argue and argue and argue with something, about something to what someone and with someone. And you could argue till the, as they say, the cows come home until the hens roost or whatever way you put it. And you know what you're going to do? Pull yourself down. Pull yourself down. Listen, leave it with God. Leave it with God. Leave it with him. And if God deals with it, then let him deal with it. And here you'll find that whenever you have the wicked one, the poneros, there's people they'll want because they're going down, they want to put everybody else down. That's what the poneros means. The cacos is the ones who are happy to sit in contentedness. And then they move into poneros where they want to pull people down. Then they move to Diabolos or somewhere around that time they want to slander and everybody else is to blame but themselves. Everyone else, you're to blame and you're to blame. It's your fault. And they think the world revolves around themselves. Brothers and sisters, let God deal with it. Let God deal with it. So that's the stony ground here it goes and the devil comes and takes it, the seed out of the heart. Luke chapter 8, just before we go back to Mark chapter 4, please. Verse 12. Those by the wayside are they that hear, then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Notice the word is taken out of their hearts. See, once the word of God is taken from a heart. We know that there's those come in and they hear the word as with the outer ear and they go out unsaved. They come in unsaved, they go out unsaved. We know that. But also let's take note that here, the word is given to us for the Lord to speak to us, to speak into our situation, to speak into your life and your life and your life and your life and my life. To tell us something from God. And sometimes by the time we get out the door or into the car park, as I said last week, and somebody cuts you up the wrong way with the car, and next thing you're ready to get out and shake the fist at them or whatever, don't let that word be taken from your heart. By the time you get home and you have your dinner on a Sunday, the, 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 it, it's a distant memory. It's another meeting we've been to. The word must reside in the being. To have any effect, that must be in the heart. And notice here what he says, Luke chapter 8. Then cometh the devil, taketh the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Then he goes on to the, the stony ground here. Then they on the rock are they which, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root, which for a while believe and in time of temptation they fall away. Sadly, unfortunately, that is the case which happens. Notice Mark chapter 4, please. 
verse 16. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word immediately receive it with gladness, and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, not for something they have done or whatever they are, not for their own men, you know, things that we get up to and we deserve people to look at us as if you've, you know, you've done wrong. It's for the word's sake. For the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Dead people don't get offended. Dead people don't get offended. What do you mean? Those who have died to self get offended. And some fell on the stony ground where it had not much earth. Notice. Where it had not much earth and immediately it sprang up and it had no depth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched because it had no root, it withered away. Notice immediately, no root. Immediately it springs up. It grows up, but it never grew down. It couldn't penetrate the rock. And then in verse 17, immediately it's offended. So I never told you I read verses 5 and 6, pardon me, 5 there, and ver- uh, Mark 4 and 5. Now when we look at verse 16, the stony ground, who when they have heard the word immediately, notice immediately, you underline that. Some people immediately receive the word. Receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves and so endure but for a time and afterward when affliction and persecution comes for the word. So here we find immediately they hear and immediately they are offended. They haven't died to self. They haven't died to self. We all can get offended. But when we've died to Christ, then we leave it with him. Notice, immediately they receive it. Immediately they are offended. And the word offended is scandalizo. They're scandalized, that means. Now we know scandal now is telling something or showing something that somebody's been getting up to. That's not what it means really here. It's where our word comes from, but it's not what it means. It means they trip up and stumble. They are offended, it means to cause a person to distrust, to desert one whom they ought to trust and obey. In other words, they turn from Christ to look for offense in another to be their excuse. That's the Greek meaning of offended. It's your fault. It's your fault. I've had a pound for the time people have said that to me. It's your fault. Well, I tell you, I could drive a Ferrari by now. (coughs) 
It's not my fault. Judas Iscariot had the best preacher, the best teacher, the very prophet, the Son of God in his midst. And still, he was scandalized and went away. Notice here what Charles Haddon Spurgeon says about shooting up fast, shooting up fast. He says, there are many more whose religion must be sustained by enthusiastic surroundings. Now, you're talking here 1800s, late, late 1800s. There are many more whose religion must be sustained by enthusiastic surroundings. They seem to have been baptized in boiling water. And unless the temperature around them is kept up to that point, they wither away. A religion that is born out of mere excitement will die when the excitement is over. In other words, it must be grounded in the word. Salvation must be grounded in the word. Your relationship, as Pastor Aaron said this morning, must be grounded in the word in Christ. Must be grounded and roots must grow down. Roots must grow down. And if we see it all over, I'm not going to name places because that wouldn't be fair. It's up to, between them and God. But there are places and it's all excitement. It's all, it's all what the eye can, the senses can have. The hearing and the taste and the touch and the smell, whatever else. And it's all about this. And, and whenever that's all over, they have nothing in here. There's nothing here. No grounding of it. And Spurgeon says... They look for enthusiastic surroundings. I wonder what they were in the 1800s if it was compared to now. A few extra candles on the side of the, I don't know, to light up in the dark. I don't know. Play a tune extra, extra speedily. I don't know. I have no idea what that was. But he says that they look for enthusiastic surroundings. They step into enthusiastic surroundings and there's no word in them. And they're like stony ground hearers. They're on the rock. They spread up and it's all, oh, glory to God in them. And everything starts to die. Then they start to die too. I wonder how many would even come here on a Sunday morning if all we done was get up to this pulpit, opened in prayer and started to preach. I wonder many would come back. And the idea here is, he says, they're like those who have been baptized in boiling water. You can imagine that. I thought that was a bit hilarious of him to say that. You know, they're like a scalded cat. You know, they jump out and they're, hallelujah, praise the Lord, I'm ready to, and then, oh, they burn out. You need to get settled and grounded in the word. The temperature around them is so hot and they keep up. We, it says you have to keep it up to that point of, of boiling. In other words, and if we don't keep, speaking as a pastor here even, if we don't keep up to the boiling point, you know, if, if we don't hit the mark when we're preaching more than one time, yeah, it's slipping a bit, you know. Didn't hit home today. And the same is for all of us. If we don't keep it up to the boiling point, it's like it's because they're there for the enthusiasm or for what they can get. 
out of it. We're not here to see what we can get out of church. We are the church. We're not here to see what we can get out of church. We're here to worship the Lord. We're here to see what we can give. To give. Now here's the thing, brother, sister. What are you giving to the Lord in the ministry of this house? Let's be honest. If I put the sheet up there and wrote down where everybody was, all their ministries, and who helped out. I won't take, obviously, but say we did, or he put it up here. Such and such does this, that, and there. You'd see some people, and it'd be loaded the whole way down their name. you see over here, it'll go, <laughs> Isn't that true? Notice this. It speaks of a superficial experience, no root in themselves, there's no fruit from themselves. No root, no fruit. Like a shooting star. Wow, look at that. It's gone as quick as it came. Be aware of those who are immediate in their receiving. This is what I've written. Be aware of those who are immediate in their receiving, overzealous and passionate and put that now listen I want you to be zealous and I want you to be passionate but I'm talking about it's immediately it's all of a sudden then they're fizzling out and you have to wind them up all the time go on keep going wind them up like a clockwork toy if the root if the word's in you you'll grow root and if the word's in you you'll go on now notice this I looked at the story of Second Samuel chapter 13 and read it when you go home I haven't time to turn to it it's the story of Amnon it said on to Jonadab who was his cousin I love Tamar my brother Absalom's sister so it was his sister too half sister I love her and in verse 14 it says he forced her and lay with her Verse 15 says, And Ammon hated her exceedingly so that, so that the hatred wherewith he hated her was greater than the love wherewith he had loved her. This man ruined that young woman. And he hated her more than he said he loved her to start. So the, the passion, the idea is the passion of it was, is like someone who springs up. I love this one. And then when the enthusiasm dies, when the boiling water they've been baptized in, as it were, cools down, the hatred becomes worse than the, or sorry, greater than the love. And he hated that young woman. She'd done nothing on him. But he hated her. He blamed her. I think I'll leave it there this morning. Because of too much material. Let's just read this to close. Mark 4 Verse 16. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground. 
who when they have heard the word immediately received it with gladness and have no root in themselves and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. They look for reasons but themselves. They look for reasons but themselves. They look to blame everyone but themselves. That's the idea of it. They are scandalized. Brothers and sisters, what have we learned this morning? Get into the word. Grow in the word. Let your roots grow down in the word for it's that which sustains you. It's that which will bear fruit in your life. And the idea is, it's not the offense for you to take. Dead men and dead women don't get offended. You're dead and buried with Christ in baptism. You don't failures or your faults. And you don't blame everybody else for your failures or your faults or whatever's happening in your life. It's like the man and the woman who are out and their child kicks up in the shop. I want that sweet. Or I want that toy. You're not getting that. You're not getting that. You're not getting that. And they keep going on and on and on. And you know, some children would then start laying on the floor kicking, you know, squealing and yelling. They did with me once, but that's another thing. I believe in the scriptural seat of understanding. <laughs> but if you ever see that, and I'm sure we've all seen something like that, or maybe you've been part of something like that, and you start, the parents start sort of edging up, come on, you're embarrassed. Come on, get out of it, you know. And it's nearly like the parents are saying, that's not my child. Who owns that one? You know? Isn't that true? The same as Charles Haddon Spurgeon says, sin is a brat that nobody wants to own. Men are like that with their sin. And we can be like that with our own attitudes. We can be scandalized, as it were, and say, I'm offended, and it's their fault, or his fault, or her fault, or whoever else's fault, and we blame. Listen, Sin is a brat, or attitudes can be a brat that nobody wants to own. If it's your own, own it, and then deal with it, and we can all get on with it. Deal with it. Own it. Bring it to God. And we can all get on with it. God bless his word to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.